It's Midday Magazine for Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm Shelby Herbert. Two swimmers successfully crossed the Frederick Sound in mid-July. They spent hours in the glacier-fed water, which runs 600 feet deep in parts. It's the first time in living memory that anyone ever made it across the seven-mile stretch. There are icebergs on the horizon, and the surface temperature hovers in the low 50s. The waters of the Frederick Sound are cold, like knives in your skin cold. That's how it feels when I go to grab a diver down flag that fell overboard. Here goes nothing. Oh, <laughs> Didn't make it very far. Yeah, no. <laughs> when you're completely immersed, it feels like the breath is being sucked out of your lungs. That's why Andrew Simmons is wearing a wetsuit so thick, it takes him half an hour to put it on. The suit protects him from the worst of the chill, but he'll spend the rest of the day in that freezing water. Okay. Here we go. All right. Simmons, age 61, is the first person in living memory to try to swim across the sound. Last summer, he got close, but didn't quite make it. He wants to make it all the way this time, in what he says will be his last try. But things have changed. Now, he's going for silver. Simmons was beaten to the punch. Another swimmer made it across just three days earlier. His name... Scott May. It was actually the shortest tide swing of the of the month, and the weather was looking beautiful. May, age 59, is a retired teacher from Juneau. He saw the right opportunity this week and pounced. So I talked to my wife, Bridget, and my good friend, Tommy Thompson, and said, hey, let's, let's go out on the boat Wednesday morning. We went over there and jumped in the water, and the rest is history, I guess. Scott May may have been the first to cross, but he took the shortest route. Simmons is gunning for the longest way across, seven miles. But there's camaraderie between the two swimmers, even from a distance. They didn't meet in person until after Simmons's second attempt. But today, May is watching his swim from his house through a pair of binoculars. May also passed along some advice. For him, the hardest part was enduring the extreme temperature. He says the cold was almost unbearable at the halfway point. It, I was getting discouraged because it was getting colder and Frederick Point wasn't getting any closer. It didn't seem to be getting any closer. But I really didn't want to stop. I'd come that far and I didn't want to quit. I'm not a, somebody who gives up easily or, or, or quits. When I saw the rocks and the seaweed and everything, I just, I pushed through that last stop and didn't even stop and, and just literally crawled out and sat down. And that was the greatest part of the whole thing. Last year, Simmons had to fight a strong current before he reached the end. It burned him out and he had to get back on the boat. Gearing up for this trip, he admitted he's worried his old bones won't make it, but he's laughing through the nerves, like all those surrounding his deep fear of bumping into the marine life lurking below. I thought I would have a heart attack if, as I looked down into the water, if there were eyeballs looking up at me, it would have really freaked me out. But that was part of it, facing one's fears. Simmons is three-quarters of the way across the sound when the discomfort really sets in. He's feeling the cold. His exposed face is pale and bloodless. 
Simmons is on Petersburg's search and rescue team, and he hurt his left shoulder a few weeks ago, hauling equipment for firefighters who were putting out a blaze that consumed the local Catholic church. Joseph Kitzland is piloting the rescue boat. He periodically stops to check in with the man in the water, sometimes offering him food, chocolate chip cookies, and milk per his request. Water cookie? Yeah, I think one more. Good. How's the current going? Good. He's flagging a bit, and he's fighting the current, just like last year. From the captain's seat, Kitzlin points out how it's strong enough to move his boat. We're drifting a little bit this way with the current. I hear ya. I, this is a cliche question, but I gotta ask, you think he's gonna make it? Yeah. He's not so sure. It's a long ways. Yeah. But his arms and legs never stop churning. Seven hours after he left the shore of Sandy Beach, Andrew Simmons touches the face of the cliff on the other side. He lands just a few yards away from a waterfall, tumbling into the ocean. Don't stop! Stay for the moment. I know it. I have worked hard, and I don't know if you noticed. I'm dragging my left arm a little bit. Last year, Simmons said he was crossing the sound for no good reason. But now... He says he has several. This effort is about imagination. And it's about seeing how far I can push these old bones. It's about the wonderful support I did receive from people. It's been really wonderful. What's next for the two swimmers? They don't know. But they're thinking about starting a club. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. In hopes of having a stronger voice in Washington, D.C., a group of 12 regional Alaska Native corporations have created a new position. They've hired T.J. Presley as their first government affairs director. He says this new job reflects a growing need to educate federal policymakers about Native corporations, which were created by the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act in 1971. Presley works for the ANCSA Regional Association, formed to give Native corporations more political clout, as well as promote their efforts to develop natural resources and win contracts from the federal government. You're getting five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. There's a very brief window to make our case, and anything I can do to help make our case quicker and stronger is is pretty much the mandate for the job. Presley says Native corporations are among Alaska's biggest companies and have an array of business interests in Washington, D.C. that affect more than just their shareholders. Alaska Native companies employ not just Alaska Native people, but they employ lots and lots of non-Native Alaskans, too. So they also underpin the very fabric of Alaska's economy, too. Presley has been a longtime state legislative aide and worked for Senator Berta Gardner and Representative Bryce Edgman. Edgman, who was the first Alaska native to serve as House Speaker, says Presley's legislative and state government experience makes him a good fit for his new job, one that's needed as native corporations continue to grow. Regional corporations, their business portfolios for some time now have expanded far beyond Alaska, actually in many respects, far beyond the borders of uh, the country. Alaska has 12 regional corporations and more than 200 village corporations that were created to settle native land claims in Alaska. In late July, 
Roughly 100 fishing vessels joined together on the Naknek River to protest this year's sockeye price of 50 cents per pound. When adjusted for inflation, it's the lowest in several decades. As Christina McDermott reports, many Bristol Bay crews say they feel frustrated by the lack of transparency between processors and fleets. There's a multi-decade precedent for Bristol Bay salmon processors to wait until the season is underway to announce what they're willing to pay. But Captain Conrad Shod of the fishing vessel Skua says this model hurts fishers. The producer gets paid what's left over. We produce the fish and then it gets processed and sold and everything and everybody gets their cut. And then if the morsels that are left over, they they give to us, there should be a fixed cost for, for what we produce here and then add it on. In Bristol Bay, commercial fishing crews fish on what's called an open ticket. That means starting before they know how much their catch will sell for. And they pay to prepare. Captains spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on permits and invest in costly improvements to best tackle the breakneck run. Then there's storage and haul-out fees, sometimes thousands of dollars worth. Trident Seafoods was the first processor to announce a 50 cents per pound base price this year. In a letter to its fleet, Trident blamed a saturated market, Russian undercuts, and inflation for the low price. North Pacific Seafoods and Peter Pan Seafoods announced the same price a few days later. David Couch, who captains the fishing vessel Icarus, says processors told fleets the price would be low before the season started, but they did not specify how low. You know, I know guys that are not able to pay their crews this year. They're going to have to borrow money to pay their crews. And I know people that, you know, they're trying to figure out how they're going to fly home right now, what credit card they're going to put the airfares on. He says the relationship between processors and fleets needs restructuring. You know, if they made a commitment for a large price on a large year, they could be out of business too. So there has to be some type of transparency and, you know, way that we can talk. Couch suggests coming up with an agreement wherein fishing crews receive a percentage of the profit rather than wait for a base price. Captain Fran Call of the fishing vessel Janet Elaine says processors could post a price early and pay over time. There are creative solutions and everyone's going to have to dig deep to find them, but one that we've been throwing around is, you know, post a price, it's risky. Don't have to pay the fishermen 100% right away, but, you know, pay them as that pack is sold so that they're not holding high interest rates. The Bristol Bay Regional Seafood Development Association is an organization that fleets pay into to market their fish. It's circulating a petition calling for greater transparency for this year. It cites a 1970 statute that empowers the Department of Labor to mediate price disputes between fishing crews and processors. In order for the state to get involved, the statute says that one-third of registered commercial fishers need to disagree with the offered price. The Development Association Executive Director Andy Wink says the petition gives fishing crews the opportunity to dispute this year's 50 cents. Uh, if they are looking for more answers and transparency um, in terms of explaining this year's price, 
and just kind of going through a mediation process to see where that might go. Um, we wanted to make sure that we made that, that option available. He says the state's involvement could lead to a productive conversation between processors and fishermen going forward and could help ensure parties adhere to antitrust laws. Bristol Bay's major processors have refused requests for comment on this year's low price and have not responded to requests for comment on industry transparency. In Dillingham, I'm Christina McDermott. The Salmon on Parade contest, sponsored by Norton Sound Health Corporation, went on display around Nome last Friday. A total of 100 salmon cutouts were reserved and distributed to Nome participants. Prizes are awarded for the best overall, best message, most creative, and most culturally inspired projects. There were no rules in decorating your salmon, besides signing your name and keeping your decoration family-friendly. In 2019, NSHC hosted a Seals on Parade, which showcased 87 hand-decorated seal cutouts across Nome. Winners were voted on by the public, and cash prizes were awarded. The event showcases artwork from artists across the region. One of the artists is seven-year-old Elizabeth Fawn. Her salmon is decorated with swirls and bright colors, located on the corner of Front Street and East East North Street. Her project titled Ocean Glamour was inspired by one of Nome's scenic spots. Since we live in front of the ocean, I thought about, oh, maybe I should do um, one a fish inspiration for the ocean. She says she used several materials to decorate her salmon. I used um, acrylic paint, um, a swipe, um, glitter. The Salmon on Parade gives all ages an opportunity to creatively express themselves and display their artwork to the community. The Salmon Around Town showcased the community's culture and diversity, fostering a sense of identity and pride among residents. Elizabeth says the most fun part of decorating her fish was doing it with her mom, Victoria Fawn. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.